Good to see everybody. I hope you're ready. We're starting a new series called God's Blueprint, God's Plan for Your Life. And I want you to realize that God wants us to know His mind and His will. And if there's probably one question that is asked of me more than any other question, it's this question, or maybe this is the question that you've asked in your life. What is God's will? And, and, and more, and more and, and, and really, a lot of people just say, what is God's will in this situation? And um, we can drive ourselves crazy, can't we? Asking ourselves these questions related to the will of God. What is God's will for this situation? Does God have a will for my marriage? Who am I supposed to marry, God? I'm waiting. God, over here. Who am I supposed to marry? There's over 300 million people in America, right? And, and sometimes we worry, God, is there that one particular person that I'm supposed to drive myself crazy trying to find? What is God's will for my marriage? Where is that person, God? Why haven't they come to me yet? I'm waiting. Over here, God. Ruth is waiting. If there's someone available for Ruth. She's waiting. She's single. She's a great catch, by the way. So there you go. Many times we drive ourselves crazy thinking, what college am I supposed to attend? There's thousands of colleges in America. Is there that one specific right college that God says, this is the one you are supposed to attend? My answer to my kids, anyone you can get into. That's God's will. And anyone that I can afford, that's God's will. Uh, and we, we drive ourselves crazy thinking, did I miss God's will in this situation? Thus, for the rest of my life, it's just a sham. And I'm going to be miserable because I missed God's will way back here. Did I make the right choice with this person I've been married to for 85 years? Is this the right person? Was there somebody way back yonder that I saw across a crowded room that was supposed to be my husband and wife, and then I ended up with this person. Is that, did I do right? And we, we can drive ourselves crazy. I think for many of us, we fret over this and we worry about, did I, am I, am I right on spot on God's will? And we try to comfort ourselves many times by, by saying things like this. We say, well, this didn't work out, so this must not be God's will. Or we say things, well, th this all worked out and I feel so much peace, so it must be. No, we're all in the same boat here, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? The only car left in the dealership was the exact color that I wanted, so it must be. Honey, this dress was on sale, so it must be. Amen. <laughs> I think a guy said that, but anyway. Uh, I, I felt this tingling in my spine, and I had these spiritual doodads in this situation, so it must be. I saw this person across this crowded room and our eyes met and we began to talk and we had so much in common. So it must be. I loved when I went to college. It, you know, we, we, we called it South, you know, Southeastern Bridal College because, you know, you go and, and, and people would want to get married. A lot of people go into the ministry and that's supposed to be where you got to find your spouse, find your wife to, 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 to be married. You got to have a you know, wife and, and to be in the ministry, blah, blah, blah. And I remember these kids dating and, and they would just be you know they'd see somebody in chapel and they'd be like oh bard there's that girl over there I, I, I think that's god's will i said you haven't even talked to the person how do you know it's god's will they could be an axe murderer for all you know you don't know well that's that's god's and then and they start dating for like three hours we're going to get married it's god's will that we get married and and i think what can happen is that we tend to throw God's will around like we throw around a, a, a baseball. 
And, and I've been wanting to do this series for a long time. And, and, and there was a great book that James McDonald wrote called The Way of Wisdom. And he just brought a whole different angle to God's will that I just so appreciated. And, and a lot of my material, things that I found uh, was a lot of help from James McDonald. Just did a great job with this book. Get a chance to read it. Go ahead. He did, did a wonderful job with that, with that book. But I, I believe this is such an important a topic that we need to talk about because we all wonder at times, is this God's will? And, and the problem with this topic is there's so much misunderstanding when it comes to the topic of God's will. So let me, let me just blow some holes in your God will theology right off the bat. So let, let, let's right off the bat, let's just, let, let me just give you a pop quiz here. How many of you like pop quizzes in, in school? Remember that? The teacher said, okay, take out a pencil number two pencil and take out a sheet of paper and we're gonna have a pop quiz remember and then you always had that one really kid you just wanted to punch in the face and oh yeah pop quiz i love these and you wanted to beat that kid up after school so let me just give you a pop quiz this is just in your own mind don't raise your hand don't hit your neighbor you know this is just in your own mind answer these questions okay are you ready here we go a little pop quiz on God's will. First of all, true or false, God has a specific plan, a specific plan for your life, which you absolutely need to discover. True or false. Number two, God has two wills, his perfect will and his permissive will. And I know a lot of you sitting in the pews today, you were taught on both of those. God has a perfect will and then God has a permissive will. And we're going to look at those scriptures that you thought you interpreted correctly, and we're going to look at those in the correct mindset. Little hunches or promptings are God's way of telling me his will. When key decisions need to be made in my life, the number one key factor is, do I have peace in knowing God's will? When faced with two choices... I have better make the right choice. I better figure out what is God's will in this situation. And the last one is, it's okay to throw out a fleece to discover God's will. Example, for those who don't know what a, a fleece is, this is when you test God to say, is this really your will? For example, if God opens this door, then it must be God's will. If the money comes in, then it must be God's will in this situation. If this person calls me back, then it must be God's will. Now, let me give you the answers to all these different questions. Every single one of them is a big, fat false. Some of you are sitting, Pastor, you mean all these years I've been taught wrong? Yes, you were. Okay, so just just telling you, okay? And some of you are like, well, pastor, I thought there was this, and I thought... We're going to get into God's Word and really understand what is God's will in these situations. So before you throw stones at me, let's look into God's Word. We need to understand what is the meaning behind God's will. It is... if If there's some... And this is the problem, because if there's some specific thing that I miss in my life, sometimes we think, is my life doomed? Do I have to live with the regrets the rest of my life if I feel like I missed God's will somewhere back when I made a wrong decision? Another reason why I think it's so important we understand the mind of God or the will of God is this simple reason. There is a lot of abuse that comes with this understanding of knowing the will of God. We throw the Lord's will around without really understanding the mind of God. And we need to be very, very careful here. So what we tend tend to do is we will say things, well, I think this is the Lord's will, so back off. So the minute someone says, well, it's the Lord's will, how do you argue with that person? Well, God told me this, so there. Is there the perfect person that I need to marry? Is there that perfect person? college that God wants me to go to? Is, is there that perfect place God wants me to go? And this will be the scripture that we're going to base the rest of the series on. 
And it's going to be it's going to be our guide for this series on on God's blueprint for your life. And and it's just Ephesians 517. And Paul speaking this to the church in Ephesus says, therefore, do not be foolish. Listen to me, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. And 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 what Paul means by foolish is don't 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 depend on yourself. Don't depend on your little hunches. Don't depend on what you think. Don't depend on your emotions. Don't depend on what you think the world is. Don't, don't depend on how situations work out and all this other stuff. He says, don't be foolish about this stuff, but understand what the mind of God is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And the Bible speaks very directly on what the mind of God is for your life and for my life. So here's the deal. Is God's will so much about a specific thing person or place or what color my car is or or where I live or what kind of of house I live in or specifically who I marry I think it's more about knowing the mind of God the will of God and not so much about my occupation or where I live or who I marry all those things are important and they do feed into the will of God but it's not what you think it is Paul says, do not be foolish. Know what the Lord's will is. So the question is, can we know the mind of God? Can we know the will of God? And the answer is, guess what? Yes, you can know the mind of God. Can we know the Lord's will for our marriage? And we're going to look into that. What is God's will for my marriage? What is God's will for your jobs? What is God's will for your finances? We can know all these things, and the Bible specifically speaks to these things, but it's not necessarily what you think. So my prayer for you during this series is that you will stop feeling condemned because maybe you feel like you missed God. And and some of you might be here and you feel like you've been walking around with with guilt and condemnation because maybe you feel like you missed God's will somewhere. It's, it's like maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, I you know, I chose vanilla ice cream and and maybe I should have had mint chocolate chip. <sighs> By the way, mint chocolate chip's the best. Just so you know, okay? It's the best on a sugar cone talk to me. That's just good stuff right there, okay? Um, Sometimes we go in and we think, well, I made this choice. Did I make the wrong choice? And then we end up living with these regrets the rest of our lives, thinking we missed God's will somewhere behind there. And, And some of you, even you got married, maybe you got married for all the wrong reasons, all the wrong reasons, all the wrong reasons. And maybe you came in to the faith of Jesus Christ, and you're like, man, our marriage was so out of God's mindset when we first got married. But guess what? Can God still use that marriage? Yes. So don't look back and think, man, I missed it there. I could have married much better, and, and now I've got to live with all these regrets. No, God can still work through that marriage. So we want to look into this and, and, and know that, that, that we, we think like, oh, because I missed the, the will of God, I, I, you know, I, I can't live my life the way God desires me to, to live, and I've got to live with these gr- regrets. But I want us to look into the Word of God and really know what His will is. What is the mind of God for your life? And I think you will be surprised. And here are the two things. And basically, this message is just a way of introduction, and it's going to be a short message. Good, no one said amen. Thank you, that's great. Yes. All right, well, if there's no amens, we'll go longer, okay? That's good, I like that. We're just going to look at at two things about the will of God that we absolutely know from Scripture, okay? So if if you're looking into the Word of God to to be some magic crystal ball that's going to show you what color your car should be or where you should live, you ain't going to find it, okay? But if we look into the Word of God to know the mind of God and what His will is for you, maybe not what color your car is or where you're going to live, you will know it and we will find it. And God's much more concerned about the bigger picture. And that's what I want you to see this morning as we lay the foundation here. So let's unpack this. What are two things that we absolutely know about God's will? First of all, we know that God has a sovereign will. 
And we know that he has a moral will. So let's unpack these. Let's look at God's sovereign will. I love this passage in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to what it says. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by, underline that, your will, your sovereign will, they existed and were created. So through God's sovereign will, he created the world. He created you and me, created all the plants and the animals and so on and so forth. God created all those things. Now listen, God and God alone decides what will happen. God is not worried about what happens in the world because he is sovereign. In fact, the Bible tells us that God raises up leaders and he takes them down. God is in control. We may not feel he's in control and we may say, God, you know what's going on over here? And you know what's going on? He does know what's going on and he is sovereign. He is in control of this world and what happens and we can trust him with that. I love what Nebuchadnezzar here says about God in Daniel chapter 4. Verses 34 and 35. Listen to how he talks about the sovereignty of God. Here's Nebuchadnezzar, just a a pagan guy, uh, leader of the kingdom of Babylon. Listen to what he says. At the end of his days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to to generation, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to, what's that there? His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, which means he is in control of heaven and he's in control of what happens here on the earth. And none can stray, none can stay his hands or say to him, what have you done? So no one can say, listen, what, what, what have you done? What, uh, why are you doing it this way? God is completely in control of all these things. So the bottom line is God is in control. So that's the mind of God. God's will will be done on heaven and on earth. God, let your will be done on heaven and earth. So what we have to figure out is, okay, God, What is your mindset here? What is your mindset for this earth? How do I fit in to your will? Not so much, God, how how can I make you fit into what I want to do with my life? But we have to figure out, God, what is your mindset and what is your will for my life? What is he most concerned with in your life? And I believe this as we look through all the passages that deal with, with the mind of God or the will of God, it boils down to this very discussion about the will of God, and it's the moral will of God. Let's all say it together. The moral will of God. That was very weak. Let's say it together. The moral will of God. That's what he's most concerned. So let's look at this next thing. We know God is sovereign. He's in control Everything's going to work out at the end. And if you're on his side, you've got nothing to worry about. Here's the moral will. This is what I want to focus on. And this is what's going to weave itself through all the next coming weeks is the moral will of God for every situation in your life. And I, and I pray this will take a lot of condemnation and guilt and worry off your, off your life. So let's look at the moral will of God. I want to focus on this for this reason. This is what's most important in God's eyes for you. This very thing. Here's what God desires for you more than anything else. More than where you live, more than what you do, more than how many kids you might have or not have, more than what color your car is, more than anything else. This is what God is concerned with and hopefully we will understand this from his word. God's desire for you is to be holy. And as you read verse after verse after verse that we will look into, God's ultimate desire for you is that you would be holy. God is much more concerned about your holiness 
than necessarily your individual happiness. Because if you are holy and you're an obedient to God, you will find his joy and you will find his happiness because ultimately you will be pleasing him in whatever you might do. So we need to be, we need to be concerned as individuals, as we're following Christ, the will of God in our lives And I think what we're doing is so many times we're looking and we're so concerned about the will of God in my individual specific situation that many times we miss the big picture. And so God's will for you is not necessarily some single thing. I like what James McDonald says here. He calls it the dot. If we are not on that one specific dot, then I'm missing God's will. Is there with one particular specific thing that God wants you to be on. And if you miss this dot, this two-foot circle, if you're not standing on this circle, then you missed my will and forever your life will be doomed. And I think sometimes we fret over our lives because we think, did I, did, am I on the dot? Am I on the dot? Am I on the dot, Lord? Am I... <laughs> Is this the right, ch- you know, Lord, I, 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 I got vanilla ice cream instead of mint chocolate chip. Is that okay? Because, Lord, I, because I, I don't want to be miserable, Lord, if I didn't get vanilla ice cream instead of ch- mint chocolate chip. Lord, I'm, I don't want to be miserable with my life. You see, I want us to look at God's will more in this avenue. God's will for us and his desire for us is more like an open grassy field where we're allowed to run in. Not some specific little pen that you've got to be stuck in like this. Am I in God's will? Because, Lord, is, 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 can I make, Lord, if there's two choices here? Do I have latitude? If there's two really good choices here, Lord, is there one choice that's specifically your will? And if I miss it, I'm going to miss this choice for the rest of my life. Or if there's two opposing choices here that, that are both very good, can I have the latitude to pick one or the other, Lord? Is that okay? Yes, it is. It's okay. God gives you that latitude. Look at his will as an open, grassy field, not some little dot that you've got to be standing on. Now, we've got a dog, a white dog named Mopsy. And now we, Mopsy, like if you have a dog, Mopsy loves to, to go on walks. She, I run in the morning and she's looking in a window. So I'm running around the block. She's waiting. And if the window's open, you can hear her whining and barking because she knows when I'm done with my run, I will take her for a walk. And so as I'm running around the circle, you can hear, you know, she sounds like dying banshees in our house. So she's waiting for me to come. And so, so then she, the minute I walk in through the garage door, she's right there waiting for me. She's got her leash in her mouth. She's got her poop bag in her mouth. She's ready to go. I mean, she's ready to go on a walk. And, but here's the thing. When, when I take Mopsy for a walk, if I didn't have a leash on her, she would want to run and sniff and run and sniff and sniff and sniff and sniff a little more and roam a little more. I have her on a leash for a reason to keep her near me so she doesn't go off all over the place. I want you to understand something about God's will for your individual life. It is not a leash. It should not constrict you or cause you to have panic. It's like having the, I don't know why I keep talking about ice cream this morning, but it's like if you go to, remember Baskin Robbins, you had, what was it, 32 flavors? 31? Okay. (laughs) You guys like ice cream way too much, okay? You got 31 flavors there, okay? They're all good, right? So no matter, mint chocolate chip's the best, but they're all good, okay? So you've got this choice and you're going and you're looking through, what should I have today? All oh, the coconut looks good. The moose tracks look good. The mint chocolate chip looks good. The double fudge chocolate with brownies dipped in chocolate, <laughs> dipped in more chocolate looks real good over here. You know, it, it's not, listen, they're all good. It doesn't matter what choice you make. It's all good. God says, go ahead, pick what you like and desire, don't worry about it. God's will for you is that you would be holy before him. You see, when my mind, listen, when my mind is centered on God, when I'm living for him, when I'm listening 
to his word, guess what? You're in God's will. So there's the freedom you have to choose vanilla or mint chocolate chip. Doesn't matter to God. He says, choose it and be glad in it. Don't feel like you're constricted to this one dot that you've got to be standing on. And if you don't make the right choice, your life is going to be doomed forever. When my mind is centered on God, when I'm living for Him, when I'm listening to His Word, I am in God's will. And I believe probably the best Scripture that we can find in in all of the Scriptures that speak directly to this is, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I think this is where we get the misconception of God's permissive will and God's perfect will. And we've pastors and teachers have just botched this verse, sadly to say, and many people walk in this and think, oh, there's God's perfect will, but I'm, I must, man, there's this perfect will, I don't think I'm in here, I must, be, I, I must have to take this other road, and I'm just in God's permissive will, so I can't live happy like this person, because this person's in God's perfect will. Wow, that's awesome, because I made a lot of bad choices, I'm over here, and I've got to take this road forever doomed in my life, and this verse has been botched and not interpreted correctly. Okay, so let's interpret it correctly. Now remember, let's not interpret it from my mindset, but from God's mindset. What's God's desire for your life? So let's read this and let's understand this. Uh, Paul speaking here, he says uh, to the Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, Notice what he's speaking to now. Holy and acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, now you're thinking, okay, well, pastor, you just totally contradicted yourself because this verse right here says that there is God's perfect will. And then there's another will that maybe I'm living in that I'm not really happy about because I made bad choice. I don't know if I made the right choice or not. So now I'm over here and there's this perfect will. And how do I know if I'm a perfect will? And then you you drive yourself crazy and guilt-ridden to try to find God's perfect will in this situation. Notice what Paul is emphasizing in this verse, what is he most concerned with? Is he concerned about where you live? Is he concerned about your occupation? Is he concerned with how many kids you have? What is he most concerned with? Your holiness. That's what he says. If your mind is on God and you're offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, which means you're not living for yourself. It's not your desires. You're submitting to God and saying, God, I am now your servant. I want to live by your standards, by your plan, what you desire for me. I'm going to read your word, and and I'm going to lay my life down before you, and I want to be that living sacrifice that says, you know what, here's my desires, here's my wills, and they may not line up with your word. I may be doing things that aren't godly that just aren't pleasing to you. That's what God is talking about. He wants you to know his mind because when you're living within his standards and you're allowing yourself to say, God, convict my heart about areas that need to be convicted about. When I know I'm living in habitual sin or things that are convicting my heart that I know you're not pleased with, that's what Paul is talking about. Be transformed from the patterns of this world to the mind of God, which we can find in the Word of God, and thus we will know the will of God. Boy, that was good right there, and that wasn't even in my notes, okay? Listen, transformed from the worldly ideas to God's Word, you will know God's will for your life. And His will for you is to be holy. That's what He desires. I, I, um, I, I know we get so concerned with you know, and I, and I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to minimize this, but the color of our car and where we go to school and, and who do we marry. Listen, that's not what God is really concerned about. He is most concerned with, with your soul, with your heart, 
that you change from the patterns of this world to let your heart and mind be consumed with God. Holiness basically means this. It means to be separated, to be consecrated by God. And I, I can remember as a, a young student of, of God's word, right after I, I you know, came to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and Jesus saved me from my sins as a 16-year-old and I was growing in the Lord and I was being discipled by my youth pastor and I, and I really wanted to know God. I wanted to know God's will for my life. You know, the whole thing, you're like, okay, God, you have me and I, I just want to lay my life. And I was all worried, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, do, 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 where do you want me to go to school? And I was all panicked about this. And I can remember I read this one book. It was by an evangelist, teacher called Winky Prattney. I don't know if any of you guys ever know Winky Prattney. If you do, you're old like me. But Winky Prattney wrote this book called Youth Aflame, and it was an excellent, excellent discipleship book for youth. And I can remember as I was praying, I was a sophomore, and you've got to figure out. I remember going to my guidance counselor and, and, and sitting down and looking at schools. He's looking at my grades. You know, I'm just an average C-plus student, and he's looking at my grades, and he's looking at college, and he goes, I remember him saying to me, he said, maybe college isn't for you, okay? Maybe you need to take another uh, course of action. I think I scored, I don't know what, I, I, I took the PSATs, you know, the pretest for the SATs. I think I scored a 700 on the whole thing. I don't know what it was, but it was just pitiful, and it was just not, not a good thing for me. I'm not a good test taker, especially when it comes to, you know, rice is to beans as beans are to, I don't know gas. I don't know what it means. I, I don't know. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care. I don't know. What does this have to do with anything? I don't know. Okay. I just not good at those things. So I said, well, maybe, maybe it's college. And, and, and I can remember as I got discipled and so on and so forth, you know, I just began to pray about, well, maybe, maybe, you know, God, you're, you're, you, you want me to go to Bible college? I mean, that's a good thing. Even if I don't go in the ministry, going to Bible college is a good thing because I can grow and I can have a good foundation in the Word of God. And, and, and I just went that direction. I just took the steps to go, to go that way of, of maybe becoming a pastor. And I just, you know, I just kept taking those steps by faith just to, to do those things. And, and, and whether or not God wanted me to be a, a pastor or something else, I, I think as long as God had my heart, that's what He wanted. God wants your heart. That's what he wants. And I think so many times we get so caught up in thinking, maybe I'm at this dead-end job. Maybe I'm here. You know what? Does it really matter? God says, I want your heart. And, and, and if God has your heart and your life and you're living for him, guess what? He can use you as a light wherever you are. Because you know what? I, can't, I can only talk to a certain amount of people that I could never talk to that you, come in com that you come in contact with every single day in your life. Do you know that? And so many times we think, well, well you've got to be in full-time ministry to be a minister and I've got to you know, have a Bible degree and I've got to do all this stuff and be able to witness to people. That is so wrong. God says, if, if I have your heart and I have your life, then I want to use you wherever you are. See, that's transforming your mind from the patterns of the world, the patterns of God, saying, God, I'm going to give you my body as a living sacrifice, and no matter where I'm at, I want to be a, a tool, an instrument for you, that, that you might be glorified in my life. I was talking to uh, EJ, and EJ gave a great story about he was at work, and and, and EJ was just singing praises of the Lord and, and just, and one guy goes, oh, are you a holy roller? You know, and there's like 10 guys around them and they're in this construction site. And EJ goes, yeah, by the way, I am. And then EJ just shared his testimony. This is what God did for me. This is how God changed my life. And one guy turned around, well, that's great for you, EJ. Light right there in some construction site in some uh, situation where there's a lot of darkness, there's God's light right there. That's what God desires for you. And I think so many times we're like, well, I miss God's will. Then you miss the opportunities that God brings to you each and every day to be, be his light. Because we're thinking, well, I made this wrong choice and I'm doomed the rest of my life. And so we live miserable Christian lives because we think we missed something. And God says, no, you didn't miss anything. What you're missing is, is my heartbeat and allowing me to use you every single day in your life. And what I loved about this book by Winky Prattney was, and Youth of Flame, this is what he said about God's will. And it just 
sometimes you read a book and there's one sentence that just sticks in your craw the rest of your life. This is the one thing he said that helped me so much in making decisions in my life on whether or not I should go to Bible college and go into full-time ministry or whatever because I had, you know, I had the back of my mind, I'm having the counsel, my guidance counselor saying, you'll never make it in college. I'm all worried about what if I fail? What if I can't do, you know, do well in college? And I had all these worries. And I can remember this one thing that Winky Pratney said in his book. He said, listen, this is how you know God's will. He says, if you're praying and you're reading God's word and you're giving your life to him and you're being obedient to what he desires in his word for you. He said, there is nothing else but God's will for you. Not whether or not you go to this college or that college, but it's that open grassy field that, that gives you latitude to run and explore with God's hand still on you. Because what I could think back is, I could think back and think, well, maybe I shouldn't have gone to that. Maybe there was a better school that I could have gone to. Or maybe there's this, and you can drive yourself nuts and get all this guilty feeling and never be used by God because you're so worried about this dot that maybe you missed. No, God's more concerned with you knowing Him and His heartbeat and, and, and the morality that God desires for your life and the holiness that God desires for, you, for your life. It's not so much the place or the person or the color of the car. Really, God doesn't care. Are you hearing me? And what we're going to do is we're going to get much more specific when it comes to God's will and your finances and God's will and your marriage. And you're going to say, Pastor, how do I figure all these things out and know the heart of God? And I believe we can find them because they are in God's will. Listen, you will make right decisions if you follow God's path in His Word. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks over the next month, is we're going to look specifically. What is God's will for your marriage? What is God's will for your relationship? What is God's will for your finances? How do I make right choices? Because really, that's what it comes down to. I want to make sure I make the right choice in this situation. And here's my warning to you. And, 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 and I've made this mistake. I'll be honest with you. And probably all of us have made this mistake many times in situations when people are trying to make decisions warning just don't default to the peace thing right away because peace is very subjective and and let's base it on god's word because many times we'll say well you're making this decision do you have a peace i don't know what does that mean do i feel calm you know we're like okay okay do i have peace do i have peace? what's the peace thing let's see okay do i have peace hmm okay i slept last night so maybe that's peace I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fearful. Maybe, maybe that's peace. I, I don't know, Lord. Is that peace? Because maybe that's your will. Maybe I should do this thing. Well, let me tell you why that can be scary. Let me give an example. Remember Jonah? Everybody out there? All right. You with me now? Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, preach to over 200,000 people to repent before the Lord, and Jonah didn't want to do it. He was the reluctant missionary. Didn't want to do it, Right. And so he gets in a ship and he's going the complete opposite way of where God wanted him to go in Nineveh. So he's in the ship and there's this big storm that happens, remember, because God's judging him. And the, and the guys on the boat, the sailors on the boat, know that something's going wrong. They, they're very superstitious. They think, ooh, the gods are against us. There's this big storm. We're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. And you would think, you would think, right, that Jonah would be on top of the ship. If it was me, I'd be freaking out, okay? There's a storm. We're going to die, where, where are the life rafts? Where are the light? They didn't have any of that stuff. They were going to die. You know where Jonah was? Where was Jonah? <laughs> Sleeping away. Right in the midst of the storm. Right? No big deal. The guys wake him up. What's going on? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's me. Yeah, it's me. You throw me overboard, everything will stop. So, yeah, I, let's. See, the problem is he was sleeping. While the storm was going on, he had some peace to sleep, but was he in God's will? No. Way out of God's will. So let's be careful when it comes to the peace thing, okay? Because some people will base peace, and it can come in direct contradiction to the Word of God. 
Well, pastor, you know, I have real peace about this relationship that's out of the will of God, that's not in God's moral plan. And I'll say, okay, you have a peace, but it goes in direct conflict to what God says about this relationship. So does your peace trump the truth of God's word? Survey says, and no, it doesn't, okay? So we have God's word, right? To establish what the mind of God is in every situation. But for you and I, many times we want to take the easy path by just saying, oh, but I feel about this. How can loving you be wrong when it feels so right, right? We, we, that's the way we base it on our feelings, not on the truth of God's word, but on our feelings. And that's where we can get into a lot of trouble in decision-making. Obedience to God's word, that's God's will for your life. So here's the thing. God's moral will keeps us from making wrong choices. It will keep you from worrying. Listen, if we, if we honor God and, and, and we make a choice which is pure before him and according to his word, guess what? God is pleased with the decision that you made. That's the latitude we have walking in God's will in the green pasture and not specifically thinking there is some small dot that I have to be standing on. And if I miss this, I miss God's will. By God's moral will, desiring for you to be holy, what it will do is it will challenge any immature choices or wrong choices that you may make in your life. Not based on your peace or the spiritual doodads, because that could be the bad pepperoni pizza you ate the night before. Who knows? Maybe having a bad day and you're down and you're trying to make all these choices based on your feelings. And how many know that your feelings can get you into trouble, right? And it can cause you to make wrong choices and to even to justify wrong choices that you have made in your life. By God's moral will, we can challenge immature choices or wrong choices that we can easily make in our lives. So this is what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look into God's moral will into our lives, for our marriage, our finances, and our relationships and how we can make correct choices for our lives. Listen, for some of you here today, you just feel like, man, I, I you know, you, you look at your marriage or you look at specific choices that maybe you made, maybe even you made before you became a Christian, you think, okay, now do I have to live in this bad choice and the guilt? No, you don't. God can restore. God can do great things. And, and God can still do wonderful things through your life and marriage and relationships. But this comes through obedience to his word because what he's most concerned with is your holiness. And there's some of you here today, I know you're living with past regrets or maybe choices or maybe even thinking you know, Lord, did I miss you in this situation? Did, did I do the wrong thing here? Well, here's what's easy about God's word. If we made a choice that was in direct contradiction to God's word, we can repent and turn to the Lord and find forgiveness and freedom. Do you realize there's latitude and freedom within Christ Jesus that he frees us from the chains of our past? and the wrong choices that we made? Do you realize that even if you're married, you got married for all the wrong reasons, God can still take that marriage and use it for his, his, his purposes and use it for his glory? Do you realize that? God can do that. God even took a disobedient Jonah who completely went against God's will and plan and still used him to preach repentance to a city that turned to God. See, God is still sovereign. And when we turn our hearts to him, we say, God, really do a, a check in my heart, in my life. And, 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 I'm, and I, am I making decisions based on what I desire and what I want? Or Lord, are my decisions based on completely knowing you? And if you are pure before the Lord and your mind is being transformed from the patterns of this world to the things of God, then guess what? God is pleased with your choice. So whether you pick mint chocolate chip or vanilla, more power to you, God says. Good for you. Whether you, you listen, so many, I've done this, okay? Well, Lord, you know, we live here and we were able to, 
minister to our neighbors where we live. And that must be God's will that we live here. Guess what? Can I just, I've thought that way many times too. Guess what? God can plant other Christians there too. Do you know that? You realize that? God's a big God. He can plant a... And so many times we, we, we make these excuses for God. Well, this is because, you know, this happened because, you know, this is, and I was able to, well, good. You were with, well, that's what you should be doing regardless of where you live. It doesn't matter. God wants to use your life wherever you live, wherever you work. But don't be so guilt-ridden because you're not, you feel like you missed the dots somewhere in the choices that you make. Allow your life to be so consumed with the Lord that whatever you're doing, Wherever you go, you say, God, I want to be used by you in this situation for your glory and for your purposes. And guess what? You will be in God's will. Stop worrying about it. Stop fretting over it. God just wants to use you. So whatever choice you make, whatever college you go to, be holy, be used by God. Listen, listen. For those of you that are looking for a spouse, Ruth Brooks, for those of you who are looking to get married, okay, listen. Listen to me. Don't marry Ruth Brooks, by the way. No one could handle Ruth, by the way, okay? So just don't <laughs> marry Ruth. Just let her be single. She's good there. Um, listen. So many times, well, who am I supposed to? Listen, if you, listen, it's, it's just decision-making. It's so simple. And so many times we make it so complex. Listen, if you are seeking God's face, right? And, and you want your life to be pure and holy before him, Guess what type of spouse you're going to choose? You're going to pick one that's on the same mindset as you. You're going to be looking for someone that loves Jesus like you love Jesus, right? That's God's will. He wants you to be equally yoked with somebody. He doesn't want, to, want you to be unequally yoked. Missionary dating never works, okay? He wants you to be equally yoked with somebody. That's God's will because he's more concerned what? With the individual choice you made of that person, whether it's this person or that person? No, he's more concerned with your holiness, right? That you chose the person based on their love for Jesus and, 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 and if they're serving God. That's good. That's, God says, more power to you. So if it's this person or this person, more power to you. As long as you're obeying my will which is found in my word, that you would be holy. That's what God is concerned with. So I want to pray for you today because I think there's some of you here today that, that you've been walking around with a lot of guilt and condemnation because of your past. There may be some of you here today where you feel like, man, pastor, I, I feel like all these decisions I made, God can't, even, God can't even use me because I made so many bad choices. So you've kind of settled for that permissive will of God and you're like, you kind of just live in your life like, okay, whatever happens. I want you to lay your life down before the Lord today. I don't care all the bad choices you made in your past or what things you have to live with today. Here's what I want us to do as a congregation this morning. Here's, here's what I want us to do as, as a people today. I just want us to lay our hearts before the Lord and say, God, I want you to take my life, to take my heart, and I want to be used by you today. I just, I just want you to take my mind and my soul today. And I want, to use, I want you to use me for your purposes. And some of you here today, you need to lay that guilt and condemnation down at Jesus' feet. Some of you are, are living in your marriages with a lot of guilt and condemnation, thinking, did I make the wrong choice? Did I make the wrong choice? And you're not allowing God to live through your marriage because you're still living in the past, thinking, did I make a wrong choice here? That, that's just a tactic of the enemy to keep you from living holy before the Lord. There's some of you here today that you're sitting in your job, and you're like, oh, this is such a dead-end job. Uh, this, this isn't God's will. And meanwhile, there's people all around you that need ministry to, and you're not even listening to them because you're Jonah in the bottom of the boat sleeping while there's people all around you crying out for help. Are you getting where I'm coming from? And so you need to allow God to use you right now to say, God, okay, transform my mind from this pattern the way I used to think to what you desire in my life and begin using me now. Begin using me now. And, and, and Lord, I give you that guilt and condemnation from my past. So as we, as we worship the Lord, as we close in song today, listen, I'm going to open up the altars today. 
And some of you just need to just here. Some of you just need to do a physical act of saying, "God, I'm going to physically lay my life down at the altar like a living sacrifice." You hear what I'm saying? No, nothing. When, when there was a a sacrifice made in the Old Testament, that that dead thing didn't crawl up off the altar and walk away. It was dead. And some of you need to just die to yourself and your own desires and physically make that act of saying, God, I'm dying to myself here and I want you to use me. Take the guilt and the condemnation that this idea that I had to be on this dot all the time and, and I can't, I'm not even living for you because I'm just walking in this guilt and condemnation. And I'm just going to encourage you just to lay that thing before the Lord and just say, God, just use me. And let my mind be open to you now as I read your word, as I pray. Use me for you. Let me lay down these things that I know are not of you, God. And take away that guilt and that condemnation. So let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for every person here today. Lord, I thank you that, that God, your will is, is that grassy field where we have a lot of latitude to make choices. That you're not so much concerned with the specifics but you're more concerned with us and our holiness. And so, God, we repent of that wrong thinking, God. We repent of, the, of, of how loosely we used your will to try to justify why we're doing what we're doing. And, Lord, I pray that as we walk with your mindset, that we would look into your word, just as Paul said to the Romans, that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto you that we would know your mind so that we would be in your will. And God, it's in your will that we find joy and happiness no matter where we are, no matter where we live, no matter what job we're working at, we can find your joy because we're pleasing you through our lives. So God, take us today, I pray. Take every individual here today and we lay our lives down at your feet today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna have you stand. Listen, as we worship the Lord today, whatever you need to surrender to the Lord, you can come down and just pray and seek the face of the Lord. The altar's open. You can come down and just pray and just say, God, just take my life anew and afresh and so let's sing this. Let's make it our prayer today, shall we? And uh, allow God to use us for his purposes. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it to him. Here at your feet I'll always be
desire this morning be to seek your face in every situation. That Lord, when we have to make a choice and decision, we don't base it on what the world would do or what they, how they would instruct us, but God, we would seek the knowledge of your word and maybe even another godly person. That Lord, we would say, God, what's more important is that my heart is right before you and that I'm walking in holiness before you. And that my choices have integrity. And Lord, you're pleased with that. Because Lord, when we're in your will, when we know your mindset, Lord, we please you. And we find that joy and that happiness when we do that. So I pray that for every person here today, God, that you would release them from the guilt and the condemnation of maybe feeling, did I make the wrong choice here in these specific situations? Lord, that we would seek your face most of all and saying, God, we want to be a holy people. So God, separate us today. Separate us from this world unto you. God, we would be serious. That Lord, we would realize that there's a lost and dying world that so desperately needs to hear about who Christ is. And God, we get so concerned with these minimal things that really don't matter in the course of eternity. God, you care about us. You care about souls. And so let our heart, let our burdens be your burdens. And mature us, God. Take us from the spiritual meat or the spiritual milk to the spiritual meat of your word. And help us as we go through this series, God, to really know your heart. And I pray it would cause us to grow as we're challenged through your word. So I thank you for your people, God. I thank you, Lord, that your will is not something that's hidden. But your will is wide open for us, God. May we walk in that freedom today, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. We just praise you and we love you. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Listen, before I dismiss you today, if anyone needs, you know, our prayer partners will be up front if you need prayer for any specific thing. But amen. Go do God's will today. Amen. Go live holy lives. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.